You're listening to Upstanders, stories of extraordinary citizenship in unexpected places. I'm Rajiv Chandrasekharan. Today, we're going to meet a woman who was in and out of prison for years. As soon as she was free, she'd fall back into old habits and end up back in jail until she finally broke out of that cycle. And today, she's helping hundreds of other women do the same thing. But first, I'd like to introduce you to Howard Schultz. He's the chairman and CEO of Starbucks. And we sat down together to talk about breaking the cycle of incarceration. Howard, a few years ago, Starbucks took the step of banning the box, which means that on employment applications, those seeking a job at Starbucks aren't asked up front if they have had a criminal conviction. Why did Starbucks do that? Why do you feel that was an important thing to do? I think we realized as a company that we constantly have to be true to what our core purpose and reason for being is. And as we started interviewing and meeting young people, it became obvious to us that there were so many qualified people who wanted to work for Starbucks that in the past, for one reason or another, had made a mistake, in some cases a serious mistake. And the question we were asking ourselves is, how long should we use that mistake against them? And we determined that as a company, as a progressive company, not progressive in the political sense, but progressive in the case of examining the environment in which we're doing our business and the many people we employ and the opportunities we want to create, is this an opportunity to kind of go down the road less traveled and recognizing that banning the box, taking that requirement off the application would be in the interest of our company, in the interest of creating opportunity for young people that perhaps would not have gotten it in the past, and also, I think, being more humane as an organization. The story we're about to hear isn't really a story about criminal justice policy. We're about to hear is a story of compassion and empathy, isn't it? Also a story about a woman who's made a profound difference, and when she started out, she didn't start with a million-dollar grant or deep resources. She had a house. She had a desire to help, put in a few bunk beds, and walk to the bus station. It goes to show that you can make a difference without huge financial resources. You can make a difference if you've made mistakes in your life. She did two things, really. She opened up her home, and she opened up her heart. And here with the story is Sujin Pak. In 1997, Susan Burton was 46 years old and getting out of jail again. On her way out, a prison guard said, You'll be back. We'll have a bed waiting for you. And she thought to herself, I know I wasn't born to be caged and chained up. And the opportunity of freedom, of having a meaningful life, is there in me, but so far away. And how do I get there? How do you break the cycle? Susan found a way and is helping others do the same. Today, she's the executive director of A New Way of Life. It's a Los Angeles-based housing re-entry program that she founded to help ex-cons get back on their feet and stay out of prison. She grew up in the housing projects of East L.A. Her home life was always chaotic, but the real trouble began when she was just 14. 
I was raped, and through that rape, I got pregnant. So it caused me to have to leave high school and be placed in a maternity home where I had my daughter. She struggled, went to jail a few times, but held it together to raise her daughter. And 10 years later, she had a son. My son, KK. One day when KK was just five years old, Susan was sitting in her house. We had just walked home from school and I was in the kitchen and he was, he was playing, he was in the streets. And then? Um, he ran out and the car hit him. KK had been killed by an off-duty police officer. Susan was overcome with grief. Through my life, all the things that had uh, occurred, all the challenges, I had pretty much been able to kind of hold it together through it and keep trudging forward. But his death, I just unraveled and crumbled. I began to drink heavily. And that escalated to using illegal drugs. Over the next 20 years, Susan was arrested and jailed six times. Each time I left prison, I left with a firm resolution that I would come in back into the community and I would, I would get it together. I would get a job, reunite with family. I would make a different and better life for myself but the deck was stacked against her. I came back into a community during the height of the crack epidemic. It was violence everywhere, gangs everywhere, drugs everywhere. And it was, you know, almost like walking into a war zone. And I was ill-equipped. Still, she didn't hit her breaking point until the prison guard cracked that joke about seeing her again. And she thought to herself, no, I won't come back. Later that day, she found herself at the bus depot on Skid Row in downtown L.A. That's where most people in L.A. County are dropped off after they get released from prison. The friend who had come to pick her up said, Susan, I know a place that you can go and get help. She connected Susan with a residential drug treatment facility in Santa Monica, and Susan called until they agreed to take her in. This was the chance she needed. After 100 days, I emerged from there clean and sober. Afterwards, she returned home to Compton, got a job, worked, and saved money. She broke the cycle of incarceration that had held her back for two decades. She felt blessed, but changing her own life wasn't enough. She wanted to help others. I knew hundreds of women just like me that just needed a few months of support or longer to be able to stand on their feet and not return to prison. By 1998, she had saved up enough money for a down payment on a house, but because of her prison record, her nephew had to sign all the paperwork. She bought furniture, including 10 beds, and when the house was ready, Susan got in her car and drove to the same bus depot on Skid Row where she had been just a year before. Susan knew exactly what to look for. When a person is getting off that bus from prison, you just know them. 
they have a paper bag or a little box. It will have their name and their number on it. She'd walk up to the women and say, I have a house that's drug and alcohol free. And that's how women started coming to a new way of life. Susan filled the house in a matter of weeks. That was in 1998. Now, nearly 20 years later, Susan runs five homes and has helped more than 1,000 women rebuild their lives. Women like 70-year-old Betty Hansen and 43-year-old Paulette Villa. We're next-door neighbors here. We live in opposite bedrooms. Betty and Paulette were also neighbors in prison. In the prison, we lived cell to cell. Betty and Paulette have spent nearly 50 years in prison combined, but they were both paroled at the same time and ended up together at a new way of life. It's a blessing. I think it was a path that we were supposed to take, and I think I feel very humble. I feel very blessed that I'm there with her. The residents really connect to the family atmosphere at a new way of life. They cook and do other household chores. Betty even has a little garden where she's growing collard greens and tomatoes. That's just my piece of heaven when I'm in the dirt and planting and watching it grow and that. And it puts food on the table. But she finds the most joy when she sees how the women support each other. You have days when you get out of prison, not days in particular, but sporadic times that it's like everything that you've tried to accomplish that day doesn't go right. And then you sit down and you feel like, oh my God, I don't exist. They told me I don't exist. And mentally it hits you and you need support. With the help they receive at A New Way of Life, residents can dream big. Paulette says she plans to go to school and become an addiction counselor. Betty is learning how to repair computers in the hopes of starting her own business. Susan says her concept is simple. Everyone needs a place to live, and everyone needs support once they get there. I don't understand why our society, our government, can think that you can lock a person away for a number of days, years, decades, and then release them back after that period of paying their debt and expect it to be okay. She calls her approach to prison rehabilitation smart justice. Why smart? Well, for one thing, it's much cheaper to keep women out of prison. So in California, it costs upwards of $60,000 to incarcerate a woman for a year. At A New Way of Life, we can spend $18,000 to put a woman through our homes. And on the back end, she's ready to walk back into the community and be constructive, be productive, be a taxpaying member of of our society. Her smart justice approach also helps women stay out of the system. In California, about 65% of people who get out of jail find themselves back there in just three years. But the recidivism rate for the women going through a new way of life is just 18%. We lock up far too many people in America today. We lock them up as if locking them up is going to solve the problem. And locking them up does not solve the problem. We have to be more strategic and smart 
about the way we address crime and poverty in our nation. Did locking me up make me better? No, it did not. Today, Susan doesn't need to stake out the bus depot. A new way of life is well-known in women's prisons across the country. Now, inmates contact Susan looking for a spot. Well, I wrote to Susan Burden. I called. I think I probably got on their nerves. I don't know. That's Carolyn Robinson. She's 47. A string of convictions for drug offenses and other crimes pushed her in and out of California prisons for 26 years. While I was there, and my, all of my intentions were good. I made all these plans, and I had the resources because I'm a very resourceful person. But once I was released from prison, and you go back to a place that's comfortable for you, that's known and familiar, it's so easy to just slide right back into the same, the same pattern, and that's what happened with me. In 2014, Carolyn decided to end what she calls her cycle of insanity. You just have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You have to want to do something different and then put that want into action. A few months before her release, Carolyn wrote a letter to Susan saying that she was, quote, willing to go to any length to stay clean. Susan agreed to let her in to a new way of life. And on the day Carolyn was released... They came and picked me up from the jail, and uh, I immediately began to just start putting my plan into action. As soon as she walked through the door, Carolyn headed for the computer. And immediately applied for school. And then once I started school, I stayed. I just stayed in school, and I stayed focused. Her goal? An associate's degree in psychology. The first step to becoming a substance abuse counselor. My goal is to instill the same hope, the same strength, the same faith that was instilled in me by other people that were helping addicts recover. And I just want to let other people know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not an oncoming train. It's really a light. A few weeks after arriving at a new way of life, a pain in Carolyn's abdomen sent her to the doctor. She had cancer. Carolyn needed chemotherapy, but she worried the treatment would affect her ability to go to class. So she told her doctors to schedule her appointments on Fridays. Because that was a day that I don't go to school, so... <laughs> Nothing, she said, would prevent her from getting her degree. Once my mind is set on something and it's a goal that I, that's really passionate to me, nothing's going to stop me. So if cancer didn't stop me, I'm well on my way. <laughs> this past June, Carolyn received her diploma. Susan was there to watch her walk across the stage. To see Carolyn Robinson get that diploma made me feel almost like mom. Carolyn's Robinson story says to us that there's so much potential if people can actually get the supports they need to realize it. It says that with the, with the investment, the small investment that we make on one end could have bring out a huge amount of potential on the other end. Because their stories prove that people can change, all you need to do is give them love and, most importantly, support. I have saw some of the most amazing women who have thrived and came through our programs to be so successful. I've seen so much potential rise to the top.
There's so many dimensions to this story and what it means. The women who are living in the house, I don't know if they would have had any other chance whatsoever if it wasn't for Susan. But there's also something else, the sense of community that is built in that house, of people who have like life experiences, who are there to better their own situation, but each one of them are there for each other. You're right about community, Howard. I mean, it's, it's, it's the power of a new community. What a new way of life gives these women who've come out of prison is a chance not to go back to their old community. It gives them a chance at a new life, but in a new community and seeing the power of the women helping and supporting each other. And the other thing is Susan going to the bus stop and basically soliciting women not for any other reason is how can I be of help and service to you? This is a really a grassroots operation because of the power of one person with a vision, a commitment, and a tremendous amount of personal courage. On the next episode, we'll learn how a car washing business is giving people on the autism spectrum not only a job, but a community and a new sense of life. That's next time on Upstanders. If you enjoyed this show and want to get the word out, the single best way to do that is to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the show. And if you're really inspired, teach someone new how to download a podcast. It's easy. Sujin Pak narrated our story. Casey Holford composed our music. This is a Starbucks original series produced by Panoply with Fanny Cohen, Andrew Chug, Margaret Kelly, Whitney Donaldson, Jordan Bell, Ann Hepperman, and Rob Bear. I'm Rajiv Chandrasekharan. Thanks for listening. Listener.